This episode of Radio Techers is brought to you in part by Trip Surfer Vacations. Travel is opening up again, and we know you're ready to go. Trip Surfer Vacations has great all-inclusive packages for your next beach vacation and all the info you need to know about your next trip. So whether you're headed to the Cancun, Cozumel, Cabo, or the Caribbean, Trip Surfer Vacations has you guys covered. We even have partnerships for European adventures as well. So we know you're ready to go. Visit TripSurferVacations.com and let them know that Radio Techers sent you. Y'all have fun out there. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. What up, everybody? It's the Texas Gentleman Tanner Pruitt. If you're sitting there thinking, how can I support Headlock Talk more? Well, first off, tuning in is a great start, you know. So thank you for for obviously checking out today's episode. Um, you know, if you are so inclined, please hit that subscribe button uh, and leave a rating uh, and review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts. That definitely goes a long way to helping us out. Uh, but even more so, uh, if you can go to the Wrestle Hub on Twitter again. That's the Wrestle Hub uh, on Twitter. Uh, we are nominated currently for the Wrestling Podcast Awards for Best Duo, as well as Best Newcomers. So um, we would greatly appreciate your vote. Uh, thank you, obviously, for your considerations and nominating us. That's really awesome. You guys, uh, it definitely blew Stephen and I away. Uh, but definitely consider us for your vote, and uh, you know we would greatly appreciate any other further support. Uh, beyond that, thank you again for tuning in. And on with today's show. This episode of Headlock Talk is brought to you by Austin-based company Naturally Hemp's and their new line of CBD gummies. These gummies are made with 100% baked-in, pharmaceutical-grade, non-isolate-based CBD. What we're talking about here is the entourage effect. The entourage effect refers to the stronger effect you get when combining multiple cannabinoids together as opposed to just CBD. Full-spectrum CBD or CBD distillate tends to be more potent and last longer, which is what we're talking about here. Unlike some other brands that use a spray-on CBD, Naturally Hemp CBD distillate is baked in so you know you're getting the full dose with each gummy. I personally use them for all kinds of things, like sleep aid or muscle pain. And did I mention they taste great? They got five flavors. Uh, strawberry, green apple, lemon lime, watermelon, and get this, the orange flavor has vitamin C in it. Ooh. So, if this sounds like something you could go for, head over to your nearest Creative Sig vape shop and pick yours up today to see for yourself the difference Naturally Hemp's gummies can make in your life. Earlier than the bird that catches the worm. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Headlock Talk, where we talk about AEW and full gear in all of its glory. And we also talk a little bit about the Montreal screw job. So keep it tight, ladies and gentlemen. Tune in.
and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Headlock Talk. Oh, snap. Oh, snap, indeed. I am, of course, the Texas gentleman, Tanner Pruitt, and as always, sitting across from me from this table here, the one and the only, Mr. Stephen Grudy. Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. Oh, howdy, Stephen. What's going on? What's going on, man? Uh... Uh, you're you're a little bit uh, you got a you got a little bit of a you know you're you're a little bit raspier yeah. today. Yeah, I, I went to a concert uh, last night and uh, kind of went ham. Yeah, and my voice is uh, destroyed. It was a great concert, but uh, yeah, my voice. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of it, course, it, it's not the the normal velvety uh, smoothness the, that the, you guys know and the, love. The velvety smoothness from the one, the only. Mr. Stephen Grudy. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, it sounded like you had a lot of fun at that show last night, and uh, your your uh, your friend and mine, Chase, he he, uh, he got to go crowd surfing for the first time, and yes. got dropped a couple times, unfortunately. He did. he did, he got dropped, like, straight on his back. It's funny, I have a video of it, and uh, literally one second, he's crowd surfing, and then the next, next second, he just uh, disappears, and you don't see him. Oh, goodness. And that was him falling on his back. Oh, man. It was very sad. But it was a fun time. And I also had a very great time tonight. Yes, tonight was something special. Yes. It was something else. AEW Full Gear uh, put on a heck of a show in all regards here. I guess we should say we are recording this on on Saturday, right after Full Gear. Yes. Uh, not our usual Sunday. So. Yes, uh, this is uh, exactly why you know we, we are early, uh, the early birds getting the worm this yes. week. Yes. Um, you know, uh, it, a very excellent show. Uh, you know, I I was blown away, <laughs> yeah. particularly by the main event, uh, which was uh, well. I mean, was that the main event? It was unsanctioned. It it was unsanctioned. I mean, it's the. I mean, I know Look, it's the main event, yeah. but like, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean the the last match on the card. Yes, you yes. Know, it was it was something special, really. It really was, uh, and there were a lot of great matches too. Um, but yeah, the the sheer brutality of that match mm. was just something something else. Yeah, um, we'll get into it. Yeah, of course. Well, let, let's kick things up from the from the top here. Um, uh, AEW Full Gear uh, took place here. Where were we at? Uh, in Baltimore, Maryland. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. And the Royal Farms Arena. Uh, so uh, they definitely had a, <laughs> a fun time tonight. Everybody was live in attendance for that show. Yeah, it was a fiery crowd too. Mm-hmm. Um, for the buy-in this time around, we got about an hour, uh, close to an hour's worth of video packages mm-hmm. all together for you know a lot of different matches that were going on in the card. We got to learn more about uh, the talent on AEW, and for me, I think that's a really nice. Um, a really nice change of pace here, especially from from a new company. Uh, the more that we have these new on-screen characters, the better it is that we actually get to know them, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, normally, if you give me almost an hour of you know promos, I'm like, all right, uh, I don't need this. But they actually mm-hmm. pulled it off really well. And uh, I don't know, it, it almost had this like epic movie vibe to it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, seeing all of the different... Uh, all the different storylines and all the different relationships going on, mm-hmm. and, and it, it was really put forward in a, in a 
very very nice way <clears throat> voice crack um, yeah <laughs> uh, but no i liked it uh it we did also have a a match in, in the pre-show as well uh mm-hmm. with uh brit baker versus b Priestley. yes it's pretty nice it's pretty good yeah very good match yeah. um you know uh i know b Priestley. uh she's definitely a pro yes um brit baker's getting better with every match that she has so definitely um yeah i was very impressed by both of these ladies for sure mm-hmm. you know um and uh yeah i, I think uh, with Britt baker i have a, spoiler alerts guys you know hey look yeah if you're listening you know uh we're gonna give you the results here so right, right. if you haven't seen the show you might you might want to pause watch the show and then come back and mm. check us out here but uh, yes, Britt Baker uh, got uh, got her a bit of revenge over Br- uh, B. Priestley here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so victory via, via submission, of course, with the uh, the mandible claw. Yeah, the, the I think they call it the lockjaw, right? Lockjaw, maybe. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know if they're, if they're renaming it or what. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, looks like that feud might be done. Um, and then post match, uh, this was weird. The, it for was. me, yeah, I, I hear you. Well, tell tell us what happened, Stephen. Well, okay, so if you guys are tuning into Dynamite every week, we're we're getting these uh, promos with um, mostly with with Brandy Rhodes, but it, it's very heavily alluring to uh, you know Awesome Kong and, and their relationship that's going on. Um, the promos are super weird, super confusing, and. Uh, very much voodoo themed. Yeah, yeah, very, very voodoo themed. Um, but anyways, so Britt Breaker uh, ends up getting the win with the lockjaw or whatever they want to call it onto B Priestley, and lights go out, lights come on. Awesome Kong standing at the end of the ramp with Brandy Rhodes. Uh, she comes down and, I mean, basically just decimates uh, B Priestley. Honestly, yeah. and. So I like Awesome Kong. I, yeah. I have I have no problem with Awesome Kong. I like Brandy Rhodes. Uh, right. the, the relationship they have, it, the two of them, is kind of weird, but whatever. Um, the the thing that was weird to me is that Awesome Kong, as the heel, is destroying B Priestley as the heel. Yeah, and that's just kind of weird to me. It, it really didn't come off uh, as well as it could have. I think like really everything that she was doing to B Priestley should have been done to Britt Baker, and it would have made a right. lot more sense. Yeah, I mean, it definitely would have made a lot more sense considering like. I think there. I don't know if there's like animosity per per se between uh, Britt Baker and um, Brandy for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I, I could see that being the case. You know, oh here's somebody who's you know uh, this up and coming you know female wrestler, right. and uh, she's working her way through. And maybe Brandy could have perceived that that was supposed to be her. And you know mm. maybe maybe that would have made a bit more sense. I don't right, know. right. Well, I um, mean, she she comes out and, and destroys B Priestley, and the the problem I have with that is that can't go anywhere. Yeah, you know that that really can't go anywhere. Like like you said, if she had done it to to Britt Baker, then possibly you could have had that the storyline with you know uh, Brandy Rhodes being jealous or, or whatever of, of Britt Baker. And that could have yeah. continued somewhere. Summoned a, you know, a voodoo demon in the form of, you know, awesome Kong. Yeah. yeah. But, but this way it doesn't really do anything. And in fact, it makes B Priestley look really bad because she loses the match to end this feud with Britt Baker and she got destroyed by awesome Kong tonight. So it's just like, come on, d- does, does B really deserve that? You know? The 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 one explanation, just to play devil's advocate here, that I yeah. I could see coming out of this is, um, you know, they're portraying Brandy 
and by extension Awesome Kong as the alpha heels mm. in this whole thing. Where okay, well yeah, you know, oh B Priestley, she was bad, but you know, Awesome Kong and Brandy, they're they're the real baddies here in the women's division. I guess. Yeah. But I mean, see, Brandy just... has this similar thing going on with what MJF had or or has had. Spoilers. Interesting. Um, with the whole like when she's with Cody, she's a face. But when she's with Awesome Kong, she's a heel. And and she's like doing both of those at the same time, similar to how MJF is a face when he's with Cody and a heel every other time. And it's just, yeah. just kind of weird, it this like very, dual character thing. Very strange. Yeah. It is very strange. No, I, I, w- I would agree with you on that. Um, but, I mean, nonetheless, uh, a decent way to open up the show. And yeah. Um, yeah. we got some good promos from Moxley and Omega as well, hyping up their match for later. So that was very, uh, very cool. Yes. The show officially opened here uh, with the Proud and Powerful taking on the Young Bucks in a very exciting match. Yes. Uh, one of the better tag team matches I've seen all year for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Steven, uh, thoughts on, on that match there, sir? Yeah. I mean, it, it was really awesome. You know, obviously we know Young Bucks are great, and we know Proud and Powerful is really great. And honestly, this match just showed, again, I've I've been saying this, but it just showed again that AEW's tag team division just cannot be touched by by anyone else. You know, this match was completely full of spots. Uh, There was one part where... um, Nick Jackson, I forget how it started. He he was on the top rope, uh, fell down, I guess, incorrectly. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, basically, they were setting up a, a double stomp. Mm-hmm. Nick Jackson hit the double stomp, That's and right. then like he he kind of limped away from it a little bit there. Uh, maybe he, he he landed incorrectly, so it was one of those like, oh, okay, did he actually hurt himself there? Uh, kind of things. And then he goes to do the sweeping kick from the apron. And uh, completely misses uh, uh, his target, and he uh, goes r- his shin right into the ring post, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. just to build up the, uh, I-, I guess the injury even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, the the match all in all, I mean it, that basically helped build the heat because there was all targeting on that right leg of Nick Jackson's throughout the match. A lot of dragon screws. A lot of which dragon screws. It is a crazy move and I like seeing it. So Yeah. It's a it's a move that you don't typically see all that often. Right. Um at least on the WWE end of things. You you do tend to see them a lot in New Japan though. Right, right. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, that was a, a, a nice little addition to the match that that definitely built the heat up for the match. Mm-hmm. Um and then from there, it was just like uh, all build. Matt Jackson got the hot tag. He comes in the ring like a house on fire yeah. and just started tearing everybody down. Uh, you know, the crazy uh, suplex, uh, Northern Lights suplex kind of uh, um, a segment here where you have. Uh, you doing okay over there, Steve? It's my throat, man. I'm all right. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Do, do the thing. Do the thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no crazy series of Northern Light suplexes um, by Matt Jackson. Uh, there's a obviously the the Young Bucks patented corner power bomb Insiguri combo. Right. Um, then you got a, I guess Nick got the hot tag then on Matt, um, and then um, yeah, definitely a, another series of uh, 
kicks to the leg and you know moves on the on the leg here. Uh, Nick was able to to power out though, and he was he was using I guess whatever adrenaline that he had. He he was uh, essentially no selling the right leg there for a, yeah. a, a small portion of it. Yeah, there was a segment where he hit like like five kicks in a row, all with his bad leg. Yes. and it's like. Whatever. Every other moment he was selling it very, very well. So like I can look mm-hmm. past it a little bit, maybe chalk it up to adrenaline. Yeah. Uh but yeah, that moment was eh. Yeah, yeah. I mean it is what it is. I'm not like knocking the match for it or no, anything like that. It was that, still you know? a very, very good match. Absolutely. Um I mean the the ending came with a uh, the street sweeper mm. uh by uh the proud and powerful. And uh that was enough to get the three on uh I believe it was Nick Jackson, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so uh, post match beat down uh, on the Young Bucks by PNP per usual. Per usual, uh, Sammy Guevara comes out. He starts videotaping the whole thing, assisting uh, PNP. And uh, yeah, uh, Rock and Roll Express, who were at ringside, uh, jumped out to make the save, mm-hmm. and we got to see the world's oldest destroyer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The geriatric destroyer. The geriatric destroyer. Yeah, and uh, it was actually very well done. It all was things a, considered. It was a pretty awesome destroyer. Yeah. Um. I mean, obviously, if you're a wrestling fan, I mean, you you know what the destroyer mm. looks like. If you're not, it's it's a flipping pile driver, and I'm not I'm not saying flipping in the in an extension of the f word here. It's a flipping pile driver, literally. Yeah. Like um, there is in air rotations. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. Which obviously implies that both men's athleticism, like you got to be right there in in syncopation with each other in order to make sure that you got to you know hit the move correctly mm-hmm. and yeah it was beautifully done yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and then a dive to the outside which was crazy mm-hmm. uh so yeah interesting interesting stuff there um young bucks ultimately stand tall here um I mean, I would like to. I mean, from the post match beatdown, at least, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. I thought you meant the match. I was like, huh? wit. Well, no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but um, I mean, I, I would be interested in seeing another match between these two. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the the more they the more they go, the more they're gonna get uh, you know, build up chemistry between them and just have even greater matches. Which this match, for all intents and purposes, was great already. So. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah, it was a, a very solid match. Uh, pretty long, 21 minutes. Mm-hmm. 21 minutes. Which is interesting uh, for it being, you know, the first official match uh, of the actual pay-per-view itself. It was pretty long. Mm-hmm. Um, still a very good opener, though, for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, the match following that would have been Adam Page taking on Pac. Star rating, last match? Uh, sure, if you want to do star ratings. We, can I do mean, that. we don't have to. Yeah, well, uh, let's go call, ahead. And, call it right now. Are we doing? Yeah, let's go ahead and do it since uh, since you brought it up. Uh, three and three quarters. Yeah, yeah. I would I would say that's about fair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say probably about three three and a half to three and three quarters is about fair for that match. Very very good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, definitely up there with some of the best tag team matches this year. Um, I mean, there have been better. I I will say that, but it's definitely up there with some of the <laughs> Young Bucks Lucha Bros. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. For that sure. match was insane. Yeah. Um, their uh, specifically their ladder match is is what I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a that was a fantastic match. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, this one here, as far as psychology goes, this one's up there with some of the better ones for yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, of course, as noted previously here, Adam Page versus Pack. Yes. Uh, a- another rematch. 
between these two. Uh, the third in their series of matches here, I believe. Uh, very, very interesting match here. Um, you know, Adam Page. You know, he's been coming in here talking about how he's going to do some cowboy shit. Uh, which, you know, which I called it. That's a shirt now. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely shirt. (laughs) Uh, pro wrestling tees.com, by the way, go and find your cowboy shit shirt. Yes. There at the AEW official shop. Um, so check that out for sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Adam page coming into this match here, not with the most momentum to face Pac Mm. pack pack. They say pack. So, (laughs) I mean, I guess it's pack now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know what that's all about, but yeah, I don't know. Whatevs. No, I mean uh, <laughs> the the match was really solid. I mean, it, it didn't blow my socks off or anything like that, but it was a pretty good match. Yeah. Um, the only really the only thing that I had a problem with was it was very much the pack show almost the whole time, uh, in my opinion, which is strange considering that Hangman picked up the victory here. Um, that was the only thing that I would say was you know, not so good for me. Um, but all, all in all, you know, hangman came out and did his thing. Pat came out and did his thing, had the brutalizer, uh, everything like that. It was a very good match. Just, I don't necessarily think the momentum fit the ending, Hmm. Mm -hmm. but it is what it is, you know? Right. And you can speak to this better than me. Uh, I mean, I, I was kind of in and out of the match. I mean, I, um, it's unfortunate to say that they didn't really grab my attention as much as it probably deserved to. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably at no, that's definitely not at any fault of um, Adam Page or, or, or Pac for that matter. Um, but I mean, I think part of it here, and I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit later, is just the, 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 la- the layout, I guess, of the entire card, right? Was mm-hmm. um, something that we've talked about before where it's like, okay. You need to kind of structure things as a crescendo, right? right? Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, going on, especially after a 21-minute long Young Bucks p- Proud and Powerful match, yeah, I mean, you could have placed it a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, e- even even a match as big as uh, Hangman vs. Pack, that's hard to follow. Yeah. You know, a, a Young Bucks uh, Proud and Powerful match. It, it's hard to follow, especially, you know, an almost 22-minute uh, tag team match you yeah. know it, it was not a bad match by any means no. i think i think i still gave it about three stars which i think is fair yeah i um, i also gave it three stars um i definitely i will say this i definitely don't blame you for being uh you know kind of distant from it or having it not draw you in just because like i said it was very much the pack show which i mean packs at packs awesome packs awesome yes yeah. but you know i i need some tension i i you know i i don't want to see pack being in control the entire time you know they they did this thing where where packs doing a lot of like um kind of like cheap moves you, yeah. you know j- just like quick moves it, there there's not a lot of setup to them and then bam out of nowhere hangman hits the lariat and then they're both you know laying down for a little bit and mm-hmm. and it was kind of rinse and repeat uh for almost the whole match so if you're a fan of the two, they went out and did their thing, and it was good, but it definitely could have been better, is all I'm saying. Yes. There was a hilarious moment, though, where uh, Hangman hits a suicide dive out of the ring, Yes, and JR says, a suicida el torpedo. Yes. And I died. Yeah, I mean, I'm not quite sure what he was trying to do there. Well, was- I think he was trying to be like Excalibur. 
the the tope suicida right is what he was going for and it was funny because he said that and then right after excalibur was like oh the tope suicida and jr's like yeah that's it (laughs) that that one (laughs) it was just so funny jr was uh he's a bit he was a bit all over the place tonight a little bit a little bit um you know uh uh, jr hope you're doing all right there buddy yes Um, there was another moment where he's like uh they have the camera on uh him and excalibur and uh they're supposed to be talking to the camera. JR's like looking off somewhere and it, yeah, we're getting off topic, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, JR was uh, on a different level tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, like I said, I, I hope he's doing better. I think he's just trying to get into the groove here and he's kind of like, he's working this chemistry here with Excalibur. Um, and I think it's, it serves him better when he has a guy like Tony Schiavone to bounce off of. Correct. Because they're Completely like... Completely agree. They're like the older heads of wrestling commentary. But then you have Excalibur, who's just like, just this awesome, just commentator, just in general. He he runs, he, he does all the commentary for the PWG shows all by himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No help. So, I mean, he's like the expert and he he's your guide. He's he is your narrator throughout all the matches. Right. JR is simply there for comfort. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it seems like for for our ears you're like, "Oh, not that Excalibur's like, you know, like a disc, like an uncomfortable person to listen to call a no, match." No. Not at all. But like JR is like, "Oh, nostalgia there's something about that voice yeah 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 uh, something that you trust about it, jr calling a wrestling match it's just weird because like i i felt like and, and we had been you know critical of jr in the past a little yeah. bit um but i i felt like he was starting to hit his stride especially with all out and uh the last few weeks of dynamite yes but something about tonight man he, he was just i don't know he's just kind of off yeah i think i think he, he got used to having tony there i think is what it, it must have been that, that's how it felt to me where was tony I don't know. I really don't know where Tony Schiavone was. I don't know if he couldn't, if he just couldn't make the event, or yeah. you know what what the deal was. But uh, we're nitpicking. But yeah. you know, it is what yeah, it is. Yeah, we we are nitpicking here for sure. But yeah, we were cracking jokes privately. You know, <laughs> while of watching course. the show. You know, it was like, oh man, Jr. Like, what's going on here, man? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, moving along though. Uh, Sean Spears, though, took on Joey Janela in the third match here on the card. Um, not a lot of builds seemed to go into this one, and I think this is kind of one of those late arrivals like we were talking about last week. Right. Uh, where it was like, okay, well, you've got four matches on the card here, and there's some build to some of these matches, but it still looks a little bit light. Um... This one here looks like it just got a last-minute arrival in on this card here. Maybe, I don't know if it's just to fill time or if they felt it was necessary. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the basically, the gist of the story here is that uh, Sean Spears felt like Joey Janela's hardcore match kind of mentality or you know, uh, career, it was not becoming of wrestling or AEW. I I, I really don't know what his point here was. Mm -hmm. So the story kind of confused me a a little bit, to be perfectly honest. Um, But he he takes on Joey Janela nonetheless here, I guess, to teach him a lesson about proper wrestling. Yeah. (laughs) Finger wag. Finger wag. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. This... uh... This is definitely the the most lackluster uh, match on the card for sure uh, for me. Mm. It, it's it's just very bland. Like I, I don't know if uh, what it was specifically about it. I do like Joey Janela. 
I'm warming up to Sean Spears, but I'm still not quite there with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, this match, similar to the Pac Hangman match, was very uh, Spears heavy, um, which, I mean, Janela can take the beating. Like, we know that for sure. Yeah. Uh, but it, it just gets into this rut of like, okay, Spears is beaten down on him. Janela gets the reversal, rinse and repeat. And uh, yeah, for me, it, it was just kind of a bland match. It was, um, I mean, it wasn't definitely my favorite match on the card. It wasn't uh, bad. It wasn't It wasn't bad either. I mean, it would probably be something that you would more or less see on maybe, uh, maybe like in a mid-card match on Dynamite. Yes. Or even maybe on After Dark. It's or not After Dark. That's our show. That's ours. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll st- we're still going to reach out to some lawyers here at mm. AEW. We want, we want our gimmick back, yeah. Um, but yeah, no AEW Dark. That may, that might be a match that the uh, that would belong on there, per yeah. se. And there was one spot where uh, Spears like straight up tied Janela's hair into like the the strap of the turnbuckle, and like yeah, the 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 tag rope. It didn't do anything for me. I was like, this is weird. And then like Janela like rips his hair out to get out of it, and there's like hair hanging from the right the the knot. It was just like, <laughs> what? Okay. I I think what they were trying to get over was uh, first, you know, they they wanted to get Sean Spears a win under his belt finally, to, right. so that he can be taken somewhat right. seriously, um, but also put over that Joey Janela's a tough guy, which we already knew. Yeah. Right, like his matches with Omega, his match with Moxley. We already knew he was a tough guy. Uh, you know the Cracker Barrel Classic. If you guys can, you know, right. if you guys want to recall that from earlier this year, good match. Yeah, yeah, very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a bit oddly placed, but I mean, I guess it accomplished what it needed to do. Yeah, ultimately, I- I'm sitting right around the two and a half to two and three quarter mark. I would agree with that. About two and a half for me as well. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing generally wrong with the match per se just a bit odd on this particular card just a bit bland for me Mm. yeah interesting but it is what it is it is what it is i think i've said is what it is like 14 times this episode (laughs) maybe that's what the 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 card or the 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 show episode should be is it is what it is i mean that's not (laughs) that's not fair to the rest of the show though it's not you know it's not i i mean and I think maybe this is probably the appropriate place to talk about this is, is again, um, we talked about this once before in the early stages of AEW and them making, you know, shows and that kind of thing, um, how they should look into uh, setting up their shows in the way of a crescendo to the main event or to the last match on the card. Mm -hmm. Um, This didn't necessarily accomplish that. They gave you two matches right off the bat that were supposed to be killers, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But then you have, you know, I mean, uh, obviously the tag match did really, really well. Uh, Adam Page versus Pat kind of was a little bit slower, perhaps. Uh, Maybe kind of, uh, maybe disengage some people. Or or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm in the wrong here. Um, But I felt as though the, the... Pack and Page match was a little bit slower, and the Sean Spears and Janela match was a little bit out of place. So it felt like there's a little bit of a lull right there, kind of in the middle of the card. Yeah, I mean, um, me personally, I think they probably should have opened with Pack Hangman, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, Janela Spears after that, and then the tag match. Uh, perhaps so. Yeah, perhaps so. 
Um, you know, it, it all really just depends on how you want to set it up. I mean, you could have even put Sean Spears and Joey Janela on the pre-show, and then yeah, but you need you need that that's uh well yeah okay I see what you mean on the pre-show yeah, yeah. and then maybe open with Pack and Page mm-hmm. and then I was gonna say you need that you need that star power in the opener at least you know yeah no I I, I hear you um it, an interesting way of of building this show though um. Uh, the next match, though, the three-way tag match for the AEW World Tag Team titles, uh, this match was something something pretty special, oh, yeah. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm a, I'm a freaking broken record with this thing, but the AEW tag division is just nuts. It, yes. It's just freaking nuts. Like, uh, So we have Private Party versus Lucha Bros versus SCU for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Mm-hmm. Fantastic match. It was very, very good. Yeah. Um, Lucha Bros were super over in the building, as was Private Party. Mm. I, I, for some reason, and I don't know if this is just the live crowd coming through um, as it's being televised, but but you really kind of got a sense, or at least I did, that the live crowd wanted to see a title change, and it's like, uh, it's a bit early, but, I mean, mm. it's not out of the realm of possibility, I guess. Um you know, and I guess maybe the crowd were were big fans of the Lucha Bros in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it, like I said, it's it wasn't a um, it wasn't to be. I guess for those two teams tonight, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a very a good match with a lot of awesome tag moves, as you put it. Yep, all, all sorts of in that match. Crazy spots too. I mean, there there were uh, several diving spots from Private Party, which is where. You know, Private Party, obviously, they have really good tag moves also, but a lot of their diving stuff is just killer. There was one uh, suicide dive from Mark Quinn where he uh, he does, like, a slingshot uh, over the over the top rope and, like, spins in the air, like, it seemed like 17 times. Like, it, it was really something to see. Yeah, no, and, and, and speaking of Quinn, uh, he had, a, a again, one of the highest... Uh, shooting star presses I've ever seen. He, yep. got, he got really up there on that shooting star press, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that was that was awesome. awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, I wrote in here. I don't have many notes for this. Yeah, uh, it, it's just spots galore, spots after spots. Excuse me. Um, and yeah, again, uh, great tag moves from everybody. Uh, I'm sitting at right at four stars and a quarter for this match. Wow, really, really solid match. Wow, yeah. I'll, I'll give it about four myself. Mm. I would say four is about fair for me. And that's even coming from me where I think the, the three-way tag is, is kind of a weird, uh, you know, system. Like, to where you can, like, <laughs> you can tag someone who's not in your team. Yeah. I, I understand, like... The logic. I understand the logic of the match for sure. It just, depending on how you do it, it it's very hard to do it well, I think, in, in my opinion. But they did it well in this one. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, uh, you can definitely tell that Private Party is going to be one to watch in the future. Yeah. Um, Lucha Bros, still one of the best tag teams on the planet. Of course. And then, um, obviously, SoCal Uncentered. Um, you know, the, they're the tag champs still. Yep. And still. Yep. Um, yeah, after that moonsault, uh, not moonsault, a shooting star press by Quinn, um, they were going to set up the gin and juice. Uh, Kazarian blocked the gin and juice. And then that ultimately set up the uh, uh, what was what do they call that move the so uh, the SCU later SCU later yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that's what got them the win uh, Lucha Bros attacked after the match and then the lights went out 
and they came back on, and then there was another Pentagon Junior <laughs> yeah. in the ring, and I was like, no, 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 <laughs> we're not going down this road, not again. We've seen this happen before, right? Like, we're not trying to do all this. Yeah. And I, I really thought for a minute that they were going to have, like, there's a second Pentagon, and then this whole be a whole thing. I was like, no, no, please don't, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, it was. Turns out it was Christopher Daniels. Yeah, it was, it was very short lived. Uh, just a really cool moment. I, I think it was a, a really cool yeah. way to bring Christopher Daniels back. Yeah. Um, I, I can't even really remember what moves he he pulled on uh, Pentagon uh, Junior. Uh, the Angels' wings. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, hits that. Pulls the mask off. It's Christopher Daniels. Yeah. Uh, him and SCU gather, and you know they're they're screaming at at the Lucha Bros. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Cool moment. Yeah, definitely cool stuff for sure. For sure. No, I, I liked it. Um, I think uh, Christopher Daniels. He's a he's a good guy to have around in these kind of situations. Uh, I mean, whether or not he was uh, he dropped out due to an actual injury, I I don't know. I I think that. Kazarian and Scorpio Sky almost make up a, a, the better tag team here, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, maybe that's just me. Um, but yeah, I mean, Christopher Daniels being a veteran of the business, you know, he definitely ha- has earned his stripes over the years and deserves to be on that roster. Yeah, never hurts to have a veteran on your side. No, Absolutely. for sure. Um, the uh, another really solid match here, I would say, at least emotion-wise. Yeah. Uh, the next match on the card, Riho defending her AEW Women's World Championship against Emi Sakura. Mm-hmm. Um, Emi Sakura, of course, being uh, the veteran here, she trained Riho. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, like, you can tell when uh, Emi was in the ring, you know, she was very emotional. She she had tears in her eyes. Uh, Riho was definitely up to the challenge uh, for having this match. Uh, Steven's dying over I'm here, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, very uh, very interesting match between uh, teacher and pupil here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, even before the match started, the the promo that they that they had right before it was really really good. Uh, talking about you know ju- just the the emotion of teacher versus student. And they, they talked about how when Rio first met Sakura, um, she was a grade school student. Um, and then how Rio's only 22 Sakura's 43 now. And, uh, it, it just told a really good story in the, in the ring as well as outside of the ring, uh, you know, leading up to it. Obviously Rio's fantastic and Sakura trained Rio. So she's great. Also, um, lots of technical moves. Um, for me, it did, uh, it kind of chugged along in the beginning for me. It, it kind of took a little bit to kind of get get its legs underneath it. Um, but towards the end of the match, they had some really really technical back and forth, a lot of reversals and uh, you know ground stuff. Um, really cool to see, and you know it, it's it's a Rio match. It, it's what you would expect from Rio. Uh, she does end up getting the victory here over Sakura. Um, they they have a nice little moment at the end of it, uh, a little show of show of respect. It was, it was mm. super quick, but mm. um, they did have the show of respect. So I mean, solid match. I'm sitting right around three and a quarter for this one. Yeah, I would say I would say about three from me as well here. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did enjoy the last thirty seconds of it too, where there was a lot of like uh, uh, pin roll up exchanges. Yeah, and then finally uh, Riho was able to sling slingshot herself off of the ropes. And kind of did like this tornado spin around 
uh, Emi Sakura uh, to gather up the pin, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting match here where you know Riho actually uh, you know taught the the her mentor lesson. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, very very solid nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, the penultimate main event, or as AEW was calling it, the main event here right. of the card, uh, was the uh, singles match for the AEW World Championship. Chris Jericho uh, taking on Cody, uh, where uh, if Cody loses, uh, he will never challenge for the AEW Championship again. Yes. Um, Crazy stipulation. Yes, absolutely. A uh, 60-minute time limit was enforced here on the card, and in the event that it went to a draw, we had three judges at ringside. Uh, Dean Malenko, which it's an interesting choice, uh, particularly given his history with Chris Jericho. Uh, Arn Anderson, uh, he was another judge. And the great Muda, the great Muda was a judge yes. uh, also for this match. Uh, Chris Jericho was accompanied by Jake Hager, and Cody was uh, accompanied by MJF. Dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, the match itself uh, was pretty good. Very it was. very dramatic match. Um, uh, Cody was busted open pretty early on. Very early, like within the first like ten minutes, it felt like almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he tries to hit a suicide dive out of the ring, and the way that they had the full gear um, set. Uh, the ramp went all the way to the ring, so there yeah. there was no you know outs, like like it, it didn't it didn't drop down to the right to, to the floor. Right, the ramp was like in line with the ring, basically. Yes. Uh, Cody tries to hit a hit a dive off of it. Jericho dodges it, and uh, Cody kind of just face plants into the into the ramp. It, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, um, bad he, bad cut. It was it what it looked like very very bad cut. Uh, definitely looked like he bladed. For sure, in mm-hmm. my opinion, uh, I'm not an expert on that, so I mean, yeah. take take my opinion with, with a grain of salt, if you will. <laughs> uh, but he, he it, it, it wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. I mean, he he did have his hands taped up in a way where it was like, oh, okay, well, maybe you're maybe you have something in there. I, I mean, it it was it was a very big gash, and, and the way that it was shaped looked like he did it, just because. Mm. That really didn't look like the kind of injury that you would get from face planting into the ramp. It looked like the kind of injury you'd get from <laughs> cutting your face with a razor blade. <laughs> so, and, and it, it yes. was a lot of blood too. So, I mean, whatever. Some people don't like blading. Yeah. If done right, I'm fine with it. If the wrestler's fine with it, yeah. so it it is what it is. But anyways, it was it was very dramatic for sure. Because yes. then you're like, oh goodness, can Cody actually continue the match? Mm-hmm. And he did. He yeah. obviously um, there was a lot of interplay. Obviously, a little bit of interplay rather with um, uh, Chris Jericho and Cody's mom at ringside. Mm-hmm. You know where he's like threatening them and like threatening uh, the the gentleman who was sitting next to Cody's mom. Um, you know, and then, you know, Cody makes the save, of course. Yeah, uh, Cody's mom actually slaps Jericho twice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was kind of funny. Uh, Jake Hager was, uh, ejected from the match, uh, uh, also during the course of these, uh, events here. Uh, so you were thinking, okay, well, no Hager, you know, uh, that's, uh, definitely to Cody's advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um... You know, after uh, Jericho hits Cody with the AEW Championship belt, getting a near fall, Cody hits Chris Jericho with the crossroads for a near fall, and then uh, Jericho puts in a series of lion tamer 
uh, submissions on Cody. Walls of Judas. <laughs> yes, Stephen wants to re-christen re- the Walls of Jericho or the Lion Tamer mm-hmm. into the Walls of Judas. Well, I mean, JR already gets confused and, and says <laughs> Walls of Jericho anyway, so might as well say Walls of something with a J. Yeah, may, perhaps, perhaps. That might confuse me even more, though. I don't know. Yeah, um, true. <laughs> so Jericho has this uh, lion tamer cinched in really brutally on Cody, and I was actually telling you throughout the course of the match, I was like, "Yeah, no." So, so this is a lot. The lion tamer, the walls of Jericho, but the real lion tamer back in the day, he gets the knee in on the head and the back and right. applies that extra pressure, and and you know ultimately that's what he starts doing. He he modifies the lion tamer and puts it in. You know, with his knee right into the Cody's back and starts really like, you know, cinching it in. Um, this makes MJF fairly nervous, mm. and some somehow somewhere, MJF has a towel in his hands. Yes, and he's. Let me just say this: I don't like the sending, but whatever. He's very worried, and ultimately, when the camera zoomed in right on Cody and Jericho. You see a towel fall into the ring. Referee Audrey, uh, is it Aubrey Edwards? Aubrey Edwards. Ob- Aubrey yeah. Edwards. Uh, she looks down at the towel and she looks over at MJF, and then she calls for the bell. Mm. And that is that. Jericho retains the AEW World Championship. So here's my problem with this. Okay, uh, this is supposed to be a huge match. Right? Yes. Um, I I wanted a clean ending personally. Uh, not a big fan of shenanigans. Um, it is what it is. I, I, I didn't expect this match to happen to further a storyline or to open a storyline. Uh, I, I figured it was going to be either a clean victory either way, uh, especially with the stipulation that Cody put on himself with, you know, if I don't win this, uh, I, I'm not going to challenge for the title again. I, I felt mm. personally he had to win this because of that. Um, and also... MJF's not a ref. Like, why can he call for the bell? Like, he's... he's He... <laughs> what? I mean, we've seen this happen in wrestling before, uh, where, you know, the, the towel's thrown in. Uh, particularly um, last year, where um, Trent Seven uh, and um, Tyler Bate were having a match against Roderick Strong and uh, Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Um, I think this is actually the one that's considered like the five-star match from NXT Mm. between these two, where um, uh, Trent Seven throws in the towel because he couldn't stand to see Tyler Bate being tortured anymore by the Undisputed Era. Um, So, I mean, a very, very good match. Um, Nonetheless, I mean... Yes, I can definitely see your frustration with the confusion, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, I'm not about it. You know, like, I, I understand what they're going for, for sure. Very shocking, I will say that. Yeah. It was a very shocking ending. Yeah. Um, and the crowd was definitely furious with MJF. Yes. Uh, chance of you effed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all that good jazz. Um, well, uh, tell them what happened after the match. So, MJF is in the ring. Mm-hmm. He's pleading with Cody. Hey, look, I mean, I, I saw you there. 
you know, I, I just couldn't take it. I'm really, really sorry. I'm really sorry, Cody. And you kind of get the sense of like, okay, somebody's turning on somebody here. Right. And it looked like it was going to be Cody at first because mm-hmm. he was he was very, very upset with MJF. Very upset. And um, Cody finally relents and he's like, you know what? It's whatever, man. Mm-hmm. Right? It's whatever. Um, and uh, he, he, I mean, he has MJF stand up. Um, he puts his hand on MJF's shoulder and then MJF gives him a swift kick to the nards. Yep. <laughs> and uh, just booze, intense booze from the crowd. You could feel the heat. You could feel all the glorious, glorious heat radiating into the ring. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. It, yeah. was, it was a good heel turn from MJF. So, but see that that's that's one of my problems with MJF is that is that a heel turn? You know, because he's already a heel. Well, but he's he's a heel to everybody, and I get where you're coming from, right? Yeah, get, I, I've been playing devil's advocate all night. You're <laughs> you're supposed to be the AEW fan here, Stephen. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I am too. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, I love NXT a lot. Right. I'm tangenting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, he's a heel only in the regard to when he's on his own. And I know that that's not an acceptable answer for you. Um, yeah. But when he's around Cody, he's the good guy. He's he's this man of charisma where. Good or bad, you know, the crowd is into him because he's so smart or smarmy or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, With Cody being such a mega baby face uh, and and for everything that was at stake and knowing that it's MJF who cost him all of this, you know, then, you know, that is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot's being made about this um, whole... Cody can never challenge for the title thing. I mean, it's wrestling, right? You can easily change that back just as easily as you implemented it in the first place, yeah, right? Yeah. They can always put in a stipulation, you know, uh, you know, Jericho or MJF or somebody says, "You know what, Cody, if you can if if you beat me, then yeah, you can have a shot at, you know, the title." That's how you get out of that. I mean, yeah. It, it it's just <laughs> I don't know. They kind of put themselves in a box it, a little for, bit for me right here. Um, a little bit. It, it is what it is. I, I personally <laughs> would have preferred uh, a clean ending, especially because and, and I'm I just started thinking about this right now. Um, it, it was a 28 minute match, right? Yeah, almost 30 minutes. Yeah, and, and it was a good match, but for me, it was a good match only because of I think where it was heading. You know, I, I was really expecting like a 40 50 minute epic, you know. And yeah. And they started to get there. Yeah. And then he hits the walls of Judas. Uh, <laughs> and, and then yeah. uh you know and then MGF M, MJF MJF uh, throws in the towel and it, and it just pulls the rug out from underneath it, you know. So it it was a good match, but it it felt like the first 28 minutes of a 40 to 50 minute epic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it didn't really have that solid punch of an ending that I was waiting for. Right. No, and and maybe that's that's done purposefully, right? They want to leave you with a little bit wanting a little bit more so that maybe when the day comes where it's Cody's last shot ever 
and he finally does it, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, you, you feel that much better that he finally put one over on Jericho. Yeah, yeah. Or whoever it might be when that time comes, right? Um. So, yeah. I mean, interesting stuff here. Yeah. Um, a lot of layers. Lots of layers. Yeah. Um, uh, MJF's walking up the ramp. Uh, somebody throws their, their drink on him and starts yelling at him. Uh, this is obviously somebody who's planted in the crowd. Of course. If it's not... Um, I'd be very surprised. If it's not, that guy's a dick. Yeah, he, he is. <laughs> you understand and he, MJF and, is playing a character. Right, right? Yeah, like, and, 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 and be blessed that MJF didn't go down there himself and you know teach you a thing or two. Right, right. Uh, yeah. But it is what it is, man. And it was pretty funny. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny. It added more effect to you know uh, the heat that uh, MJF right. was drawing. There. Right, right. Uh, I, I'm sitting at three and three quarter for the match. Uh, mm. it, it was definitely going somewhere really, really special, um, but got cut short, in, in my opinion. So, but but that's just my opinion, you know. So there there might be some people that that think that's the best match that AEW's put on all year. Who knows? Uh, yeah. f- for me, it, it just kind of came up short. That being said, three and three quarter is a fantastic rating. It's a good match. Yeah, I, I would say three and three quarter is pretty fair yeah. for sure. Um, and then the main event. Well, the, the 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 you know kind of sort of the last match on the card. It's unsanctioned, Tanner. Yeah, it's lights out, so they turn off the lights just briefly, mm. then turn them back on to let you know this match is no longer sanctioned by AEW. Right. Um, uh, this was John Moxley taking on Kenny Omega in an absolute war. Yes, an absolute war. Um, and um, yeah, uh. This match is just ridiculous, all over the place. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you like hardcore matches and uh, you liked the, you know, the hardcore matches that AEW's put on in the past, uh, this match is for you, man. <laughs> it's right. It, it's really, really brutal. Yeah, it, very brutal in a lot of different parts. Um, they they make quick use of the barbed wire bat and barbed wire. Uh, broom Mm -hmm. Uh, very early on uh, we see objects like a giant golden chain Mm -hmm. uh, a which which omega hung moxley from like off the side of the of the ring he like literally hung him right right we were like i was like oh he's gonna hang him and you're like oh yeah i was like no he's gonna hang him and he hung him yeah (laughs) (laughs) There, there was also a spot where uh kenny brings out the bag he brings out a bag of broken glass, which, which yes. the commentators tell us is the broken glass from the uh, table from from the table that Moxley put uh, mm. Omega through. Mm. Um, that part's brutal. He like uh, Omega like cuts Moxley's finger with a piece of the glass, uh, puts it back in, stomps on on all the glass, making it super you know jagged and sharp, yeah. and then pours that all over the ring. There's multiple power bombs into the glass, DDTs into the glass. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. dude, th- there's there's an ice pick yeah. at, at one point that is Mo- Moxley is put into a sharpshooter where he has to drag himself through the glass to get yes. to the ropes to yes. to to give himself some leverage to stand up. Um, there's a whole board with like 50 mouse traps on it. Yes. <laughs> uh, there's a there's a uh, barbed wire. They what they were calling a barbed wire spider web, which is just basically a giant, um. Almost like a almost like a bed, um, 
kind of like a like the what, what do they call it? Just like the skeleton of the bed. What were they called? Like the railing and stuff like that. You know what I'm talking about? The the frame. Yeah, the frame. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah, I'm not good with words. I mean, it's basically just like <laughs> like a net, like a barbed wire net. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, you know that that gets involved. Um, both of them go through that. Actually, they, they both go through that. Um, you know, Moxley tears up the ring. Uh, there's moves done on the hard wood of the canvas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... Omega face plants like straight into the the uh, exposed wood of Ugh. the of the uh, ring. There, I, I mean, here's the thing, man. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of hardcore matches, this is gold. Yeah, this went almost 40 minutes. Yeah, uh, and it was it was brutal all the way through. Um, you know, both men deserve full plaudits for this here. Mm. Um, if this is truly the blow off, then good. You know, I think good job. You did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have liked a little bit more out of this rivalry, but, um, I think I'm good on this for a minute. Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> well, I was joking with you that we might not see the two of them for a little bit just because of the, the craziness that happened in that match. And it's definitely possible though. Moxley looked like a real fighter after the match. Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. Of course. Um, so I think he's up for it. Uh, so Moxley, you know, he, you know, he comes out the victor here mm-hmm. as promised. Um, but yeah, Kenny was left in a, in a hard way after this match. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it was, it was very, very good. I mean, if you are a, a fan of hardcore wrestling, I mean, you would obviously give it the five, I would imagine. <laughs> Steven. Yeah. Steven. Yeah. Was- I mean, I'm a fan of hardcore matches. I, I think so far AEW has proven that they can put on fantastic hardcore matches, uh, especially w- with, I mean, John Moxley, he, he really knows what he's doing and he's in his element in uh, these type of matches. And, and it's really cool to see Kenny Omega be in that type of match again. Uh, obviously Kenny Omega, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah. Uh, you know, he can hold his own in almost any stipulation of, of any match, you know? Um, yeah. For, for me, this one's getting the full five, like for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's, what's unique about this match too, is that you have Moxley, who's obviously a great wrestler mm. and Omega, who is, even more apparent, you know, a very, very good wrestler, mm. like a great wrestler. Um, and so this is not your typical hardcore match in the sense of like, oh, I'm going to go and watch Game Changer Wrestling or I'm going to go and watch, you know, uh, you know, old CCW, you know, matches. Um, th- this is a bit more nuanced, a bit more um, logically built. Uh, and, and I think that's a lot to do with Kenny Omega's influence and and John Moxley growing as a and maturing as a wrestler and a performer. Right, right. Um, but it still has all the nuances of everything. It's still a very brutal match. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the things oh, I didn't mean to cut you oh, off. Go ahead. Uh, one of the cool things that I liked about it was uh, towards the beginning of the match, you really see like the differences between the two of them. You know, I, I mentioned you know obviously Moxley's very in his element here, um, and Kenny Omega's all, a fantastic wrestler. Uh, but towards the beginning of the match, you see Moxley going straight for the hardcore stuff. You know, he he's the first one with weapons. He's the first one to do a lot of the brutal stuff. Whereas Kenny Omega, he's still trying to hit you know lariats and kicks and and pile drivers and and things like that but then as the match goes on you kind of see kenny lose his goddamn mind yeah and and he starts to do a lot of really brutal stuff there there's even a moment where uh the young bucks and hangman come out and they're like bro you need to chill out right 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 and and so it's just kind of cool to see that where you know kenny he 
he has to let himself go just to to really hold his own in this match. Yeah. And you start to see him get away from the pile drivers, away from the slams, and more right. so into the brutal stuff. No, yeah, for sure. And I think that's one of the, the more intriguing parts of this match is, um, you know, how Kenny shifts away from being, you know, this, this technical wrestling master uh, into he brings himself to moxley's level right at at its essence here um and in in some ways becomes more brutal than moxley yeah yeah right uh but it's it's after this um incident that they have with this uh bed of barbed wire uh that things kind of shifted um and uh omega's more back to his old self yeah yeah right he kind of sees the error in his ways but i mean he loses that 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 evil edge that he had yeah and moxley's able to take full advantage of it um yeah i mean i've been i've been waiting for this match man i've been waiting for this and uh definitely did not disappoint it was definitely good i would i would definitely give it at least four and a half to four and three quarters. But yeah, if you're a, a hardcore wrestling fan, yeah, this would probably get the the full five. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I mean, there's definitely an argument for it being a, the, a five, especially with the storytelling aspect that it gave. So, I mean, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that match for sure. Yeah. Full five for me all the way, all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, this probably, um, I mean, the, the next best thing that we could probably say about any of this here is that uh, uh, we have these AEW power rankings now uh, where um, I, I guess, you know, they, they put these out earlier from like, I think it was like Sports Illustrated or somebody like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess with all these impacts that they've had with these matches uh, this evening, you know, I guess where do we go from here? Um Jericho obviously beating Cody, um, I didn't see coming, right. um, especially with that new stipulation added in, um, you know, in the lead up at, at the, uh, uh, was it the, the final show before full gear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to have a big implication on these standings here. Of course, uh, the only two from the top five that actually came away victorious tonight uh, were Adam Page and John Moxley. Mm-hmm. Um, Page beating Pac, obviously, and Moxley uh, beating Kenny Omega. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very interesting. I, I really do. Um, I think Moxley would probably be the one next in line, I would say, after... Um, well, Moxley right now is number five. Right, but, I mean, I don't think that that should disqualify him at all from, from going up to number one. Well, also... They made a huge deal about this match not counting. True. You know, and and they've said that multiple times. Moxley cut a huge promo, uh, you know, talking about that. So, I mean, I'm inclined to believe that, that this match, you know, almost didn't happen. And, and probably, um, in my opinion, probably won't uh, affect these rankings. I mean, it's possible. It's definitely possible for sure. Um, I... Maybe maybe we should just go down the rankings real quick and, and just uh, let everyone know what we're talking about. Right, right. Uh, so the the rankings here, if I can just bring this up real quick here. Sorry, my computer's just been all sorts of weird. Um, so AEW power rankings uh, um, per uh, Ryan uh, Satan uh, Satin rather Satan. Goodness. 
Sorry, Ryan. <laughs> Art of the double. Yeah. Uh, the power rankings. <laughs> uh, the men's division uh, top five. Um, as of earlier this week, uh, Friday actually, on social media, uh, was Cody, Pack, Hangman, Page, uh, Kenny Omega, and John Moxley. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, if we're going based on the rankings here, then yes, Page would be the next in line, technically yeah. speaking. Mm-hmm. Uh, though, again, I just don't, I just don't know how Moxley doesn't get the shot after this match. I don't know. Very strange. Um, tag division here. Lucha Bros were ranked number one. Private Party ranked number two. Young Bucks number three. So they kind of fell there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would put number four, Dark Order, in line for the next shot, as well as the best friends. Um, right. Lucha Bros might still have an out there at the number one spot simply because they weren't the ones who got pinned. Right, right. So they, there might be some, some extra if, explaining there. Who knows if that'll count or not for anything, you know. Right. Uh, Emi Sakura was ranked number one in the women's division, so she she fell off of the rankings there uh, uh, with her loss. Britt Baker was ranked at number two, so she must be in line for the next shot, I would imagine. I would imagine uh, so. Hikaru Shida's ranked at number three. Allie's at number four, and Nyla Rose, uh, interestingly enough, is at number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't seen Nyla in a while, so uh, interesting place. We also there. haven't seen Allie in a little bit as well. True. So true. Um, so who knows what these ramifications are going to be? Uh, how this is going to get impacted going forward? I don't know, uh, but uh, definitely a very interesting show. One of the better shows this year. I would say from the North American side of wrestling. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a solid show. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it was a really, really good show. I thoroughly enjoyed, uh, you know, pretty much all of it. There were definitely some spots that, you know, kind of chugged along. Right. Uh, maybe had a little bit of a lull. Uh, but I think the the last, you know, three to four matches uh, really, really put this up there in one of like you said, one of the better ones from the from the North American side of things. Right. No, and no no show is perfect, but this is definitely this is definitely a uh uh solid thumbs up here, yes. I would say. Yeah. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up then. Cool. And a toe. And, and oh wow, toe. Uh, <laughs> uh with that said, uh, uh today, November the 9th, is actually marking the 22nd anniversary of the Montreal screw job. Uh, yeah, for those of you who are uh, younger wrestling fans out there, uh, Montreal Screwjob took place in 1997 at Survivor Series in a match between Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Uh, the lead-up here to this match, and this is not storyline, folks, this is real-life stuff. Mm. Uh, basically, Bret Hart was the champion at the time uh, for WWE, and uh, essentially... Uh, this was in the midst of the Monday Night War. So WCW was winning the war on Monday nights. Uh, WWE was... Um, uh, and it, uh, They were having some hardships financially, for sure. Uh, Bret Hart was one of the key figures in keeping WWF at the time above water. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there was a dispute... Uh, where he was going to um, supposedly sign like a uh, not like a lifetime contract, but like a twenty-year contract with WWF and become like this statesly gentleman of uh, 
the WWF as the years would roll on. And, uh, I mean, ultimately Vince McMahon did not feel as though he would have been able to honor said contract. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm trying to paraphrase all this as best I can. We'll, we'll definitely leave sources for you here in the linear notes of yeah. the show, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, th- this, um, uh, this happened the year I was born. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, so so, <laughs> so uh, obviously impossible for me to have seen it live. Yeah, uh, or uh, anything like that. I have gone back and uh, watched videos of it, uh, read about it, and things mm. like that. Mm. Um, the the Wikipedia article is, uh, I mean, pretty great for, from what I can see. Quite fascinating. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot of good video that you can watch on it as well. Like WrestleMania is it does a really good three part series. That's a fantastic name. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> um, uh, but basically, uh, Bret Hart, um, he he was allowed to negotiate with Eric Bischoff uh, in WCW at the time. Uh, with Vince McMahon's, I guess, approval uh, from what some sources are saying. Uh, and he went and negotiated a deal, and Vince obviously was upset. That's his champion. Mm-hmm. He's going to be going to the, to the other show. He needed to find a way out. Right, and, and that's one of the things, uh, as far as I understand, that, that really led to a lot of this was uh, Bret Hart was planning on taking that title to WCW. You know, not not like Vince McMahon feared that he would take the title. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, Brett. I, I don't. Brett didn't have, from what I've read, at least any intention of taking the title itself to WCW and like you know challenge for it or you know make some bold proclamation about it. Right. Okay. Um, but Vince feared that he would. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's if if you know the more that you guys read about it out there, um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that might come up. Um, I guess regardless, what happens here is that um, this is all building towards Survivor Series, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in story, uh, you know, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels have been feuding forever and ever and ever, um, and in real life they had been feuding, right? Right. Um, uh, there were definitely countless, uh, times in which, you know, there was politicking backstage between the two, or even in some occasions fights, actual fights between the two. Um, at one point, and this is where the turning point is, Brett ultimately agrees that he would drop the title to Shawn Michaels. Uh, at Survivor Series, this is a huge point of pride for Bret Hart because he's a very proud man. He believes in, and you know, he, he is the champion, right? This is more than just what's going on in his story. He's the champion of a company, mm-hmm. right? He's the guy that the whole business re- revolves around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a huge deal for him, and he goes to Sean. Uh, with with whatever creative power that Bret Hart had at the time with his contract and said, you know what, it's okay, I'll drop the title to you at Survivor Series, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is, you know, I'll make amends, you know, we're, you know, I'd be glad to drop the title to you. And Shawn uh, Michaels, in uh, not so many words here, basically says, uh, thank you, I'm glad to hear that because I would not do the same for you. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Brett becomes livid. Ouch! He refu- He tells Vince that he refuses to drop the title to, sur- to Sean at Survivor Series. Again, folks, this is not on screen. This is not part of a story. Right. This is the real life happenings 
uh, in between uh, these gentlemen. So WWF is in a quite the pickle here. Vince is having all sorts of meetings between himself and uh, different people who were creative, uh, creatively involved backstage at the time. Um, uh, Vice actually has an awesome documentary here, The Dark Side of the Ring, uh, where they do an episode on the Montreal Screwjob. And um, I believe some of the people that Vince conferred with uh, at the time was Jim Cornette and Vince Russo, amongst other people. And uh, Jim Cornette and Vince Russo have both since taken credit for coming up with the, you know, just do the screw job mm-hmm. kind of point to it, where uh, they would basically find a way to where they would call the match w- as a shoot, not as a work, but as a shoot. They were going to do it for real, as, so as to as to where Brett would not know that he would actually be losing the title. He'd basically be forced mm-hmm. to drop the title at that point. So, um, you know, both men have taken credit for it since then, but they've argued who has come up with the idea. Uh, neither man really likes each other, to be perfectly honest. Um, that's ultimately what Vince decides to do, um, especially after speaking this over with Sean and Triple H, oddly enough. Both were in the company at the time, and Triple H was in the conference call with uh, Vince and Sean at the time, and he kind of interjected and says, well, you know, Bret Hart, you know, he's leaving the company, Vince. You know, why would you stick with this guy? Yeah. You know, essentially. And, uh, yeah, uh, this all, again, leads to Survivor Series. Vince is in a tough position. He's, He's... put Brett under the impression that Brett's going to win the match and that Brett could drop the title to whoever he wanted the next night on raw. And then that would be it. Brett would leave and go to uh, WCW and, you know, go on to do all these great things and make all this great money at the time. Um, but privately Sean was going to be winning the match. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so there is a spot, you know, as the match goes on, there's a spot where, uh, Sean Michaels, locks in the sharpshooter on Bret Hart. And referee Earl Hebner, who was also put in the loop as to what things were going to happen that night, he calls for the bell, and he gets the hell out of the ring. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) As he should. Yeah. Vince is at ringside. Bret knows exactly what's happened at this point. Sean leaves immediately. Uh, And this is all taking place in Canada. Again, another poor... uh, Huge point of contention here for Brett. This is taking place in his home country where he's considered, you know, uh, or he at least considers himself so, uh, some kind of a folk hero, if you will. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's spitting on Vince McMahon. He's tearing up all the, you know, everything at ringside. He's throwing over tables, throwing monitors, all this stuff. And then, you know, more um, iconically, he... He writes in the air with his finger, W-C-W. Right. And then, you know, the show kind of goes off. Now, people have speculated as to whether or not this was, you know, all of this work, a very elaborate work, or if it was all, you know, for real. Um, This has had major implications across all of wrestling. Mm -hmm. It basically created the Vince McMahon character on screen. Uh, who, you know, he would famously say, 
I didn't screw Brett. Brett screwed Brett. Mm. And that's really what launched that. Uh, ultimately, it also really put WWE in the position to make sure that Steve, someone called Steve Austin, would be the next guy to go up there and challenge, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels for the title. He would mm-hmm. ultimately be the star of the company, and the guy who would get WWF from where it was really to where it is now. Because if it weren't for him, none of this would have been possible. Right. Right. Um, so this is all very interesting. A huge, major moment in wrestling history here. Again, on this day, 22 years ago, I, I've done a, a, hopefully a decent enough job to give you the <laughs> synopsis. You did a very good job. <laughs> um, it, in as little as time as I possibly could. No, um, I think you got all the layers and everything uh, like that. <laughs> I hope so. I hope it wasn't missing anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I've always been fascinated by this and I hope that you guys are too. I'm going to definitely leave some links, uh, in the, uh, the, the show notes here, the description, uh, for you guys to check out. And then, um, yeah, just, you know, look into it if you're interested in it. I find it to be fascinating. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a, it's a big point of wrestling history. Yeah, you know? and uh, it, it's interesting going back and and reading about it and watching it. Um, you know, at almost from an outside point of view, just because you know I don't have a lot of context for for what was happening back then. Only what I've gone back and looked at, and I, I think one of the most interesting implications from this uh, you know incident, the Montreal screw job, is uh, the creation of the character of Vince McMahon. You know, and, and all of the implications that, that that brings, you know, his his feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin and, and really just who he is on screen, even to this day, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, it, it's it's fascinating. It, it's, it's very fascinating. It's a pivotal point in wrestling history. It's got, uh, you know, legit good guys and legit bad guys. Betrayal. It, betrayal. Yeah. Uh, all, all sorts of crazy ramifications that, that followed this here. And, and, and what's interesting about it is that it's real. Yeah. You know, like, uh, obviously we, we always talk about, like, kayfabe and shoots and, and things like that in the wrestling world. Um, and, you know, certain things building up to storylines and things like that. But it's just really interesting that this is real. Right. You know? I mean, there are, there are definitely people... Um, in the in the wrestling business, for sure, who but do believe wholeheartedly that this is still to this day a work, mm-hmm. right? Like that this whole thing was planned out w- in coordination with Brett and Sean and Vince and all these other people. And I mean, look, I mean, I'm open to all possibilities here. Uh, but for me, um, I mean, if you're to follow the history of it and follow a lot of what's been reported about this. Uh, for so many years, I mean, this whole thing is definitely legit. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, if this is if this is a work, Brett is the best actor in, in the history of ever. Because, like, well, right, <laughs> and and consider this too. I mean, he went to WCW. He got he got decent enough fanfare. He actually got pretty good fanfare when he first got to WCW. Uh, but with all that said, I mean, his career. You know, was never really the same again. Right. You know, um, he was basically forced into retirement by Goldberg after uh, a serious concussion um, from a from a botched kick to the head. Um, I mean, the, the just so many layers. And then Sean, obviously, 
you know, he wasn't wrestling for too much longer after that either. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he had problems with his back that were, uh, that were going to, uh, come up at the Royal Rumble. Uh, he had a casket match with the Undertaker and he took a bad bump to the outside and landed square on his back on a casket. Oh man. <laughs> casket matches. <laughs> right. Uh, that's how far back this goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, there, there's so many moving pieces to this, and I find this whole story to be fascinating. I hope you guys do too. So, you know, do do some research, and uh, if you want to talk about it, hit us up at Headlock Talk on Twitter. Uh, you know, I'd I'd love to talk about the the Montreal Screwjob. I just find it to be one, of, probably my the the thing that I find most fascinating even to this day about wrestling. You know, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, man, awesome stuff. Um, uh. As we noted at the beginning of the show, uh, we have an ongoing um, uh, poll or, or uh, for uh, for nomination of our the two awards here from the Rant Podcast. Yes, again, that's found on the RVNT Pod on Twitter. Uh, so if you were to go there, uh, you can definitely uh, 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 go to the Google Doc on there and vote for headlock talk for best duo and best newcomers yes we definitely also uh ask that you throw support to uh our fellow former bbr team Mm -hmm. uh whether that's uh the queen of ne who's nominated for best pod of the year shout out shout out there yes uh you know josh uh and wrestling reverb are also on the list as is badlands as is uh everything pro wrestling show as is uh, no particular angle, so definitely follow all those Queen great shows. Connection. Queen and Pup Connection, mm-hmm. and even Brainbuster Radio itself mm-hmm. is still listed there too, in all of its former glory. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, support uh, what is and was uh, Brainbuster Radio. Yes, uh, through those awards, uh, we would definitely like to win the award. So please, again. Uh, for best duo and best newcomers, throw your vote to Headlock Talk. We would greatly appreciate it. Indeed, indeed. Um, Steven, I think uh, we got a little bit of time left here, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Would you like to do some If Wishes Were Fishes? Yes, I would. It's underwater. All right. That hurt. So... Um, well, Stephen, do you have a wish this week, or, or you know, uh, or a couple of wishes, or or would you like me to go first? Uh, I mean, yes. You you want me to go first? Sure. Okay. I was more so saying I have wishes, but uh, yeah, you can go first, for sure. Okay. Well, let me see here. Uh, th- per my f- uh, notes here on my phone, I understand. Obviously, we've talked in much detail about how we think that AEW has the best tag division on the planet. Indeed. And uh, that is definitely the truth, right? Uh, There is something that I was thinking about, though. Uh, The Proud and Powerful were, you know, they were having these great matches. Every time you get this voice, I get excited, so... Oh, go ahead. <laughs> they, they, they had, they've had this great match here with the Young Bucks, and the only thing that I could think about was well, there's somebody else I can remember who's had great matches with the Proud and the Powerful back when they were still LAX. So I was thinking, if Wishes Were Fishes, I'd like AEW to sign Chris Brooks and Jonathan Gresham as CCK uh, from Progress and, and from uh, Rev Pro English Wrestling. I'd like them to make the jump over 
whether or not you want to pair him up with Jimmy Havoc or whoever, if they want to start a British contingency of AEW, that's fine. But I think uh, CCK is a very exciting tag team. Um, I, I did like them better, uh, you know, uh, when it was uh, Chris Brooks and Kid Lycos. Uh, but Gresham is a great stand-in, for mm-hmm. sure. Definitely adds a different dimension to CCK. And uh, I think that uh, they are they're a very, very good team to have on that roster. So, yes, if Wishes Were Fishes, bring CCK to AEW. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a fantastic wish, honestly. Um, I'm not 100% familiar with CCK. I definitely have seen some of their matches, um, but I know Jonathan Gresham more as a singles competitor. Uh, but that being said, I know Chris Brooks is fantastic, and Jonathan Gresham is insane well, one of the best technical wrestlers out there really um so yeah i mean that that's a really great wish um i'm gonna give you four red snappers thank you sir yes. i greatly appreciate those red snappers you're welcome you're welcome it's a beautiful wish <laughs> thank you sir uh for for my wish uh i think i've, I've talked a little bit about this before it is kind of a funny wish but i do wish that it would happen um aubrey edwards being the you know the elite uh, referee, she she's calling all of the she's called all the main events. You know, um, she should start wearing gold shoes, so we can call her Aubrey Gold Shoes. <laughs> uh, this is obviously a uh, a callback to to red shoes. I, I take it. Yes, absolutely. From uh, New Japan. For all the all the New Japan fans out there, I just like it, man. I don't know; it adds a really cool dimension to it because you know, red shoes being, you know, the whatever you want to call it, the the elite, uh, you know, referee calling all the the big matches. Um, you know, AEW is already putting a, a lot of emphasis on their referees and what their role is in the company. Uh, you know, just uh, just a little bit ago in full gear, they they were talking about how. Um, I believe his name is Rick Knox, right? I believe so. Yeah, um, they, they're saying how Rick Knox calls all of the multi-man tag team matches, uh, whereas uh, Aubrey Edwards calls all of the you know big main event singles matches. Uh, so they're they're already putting more emphasis on their referees than some other companies do. So man, give her some gold shoes. Yes, I I I, w- I would say that would be very interesting to see. Um, and and for that, I would like to give you ten gold fish. Ooh, ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> ten, ten gold fish for that. I like that. Um, this is a bit of a spoiler, so I apologize, you guys. Oh shit. Um, so uh, on Raw next week, if reports are to be true, mm-hmm. and there's no reason for these reports to not be true, what's being planned essentially could be a pregnancy angle with Lana. Good God. That's that's what rumor has it, is that that's the next big thing, is a, is a pregnancy angle with with Lana here. Um, now, if wishes were fishes, and I, this is a headlock talk first here, okay? Oh okay? I'm actually aiming to get negative fish here. Oh, with, shit. With this okay. wish. Um, if wishes were fishes... The father is not Bobby Lashley, nor is the father Rusev. Of course, if wishes were fishes, the father of Lana's child would in fact be Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And this child would one day 
be the owner of WWE <laughs> and call all of the shots uh, as he will feud with Triple H in the year 2050 for a supreme power of the company. God damn it, <laughs> I already can't believe that they're doing another pregnancy angle. And you you somehow <laughs> made it so much worse. His name will be Tad McMahon. <laughs> oh God! Well, if you're aiming to get negative fish, who am I to uh, <laughs> who am I to, to, to not to, fulfill that? To not oblige. Uh, you're gonna get four negative megalodons. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Vince, if you're listening to this, make it happen. Stop. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. I I I beg of you. I beg. <laughs> Please. God damn it, Tanner. Can't say you don't want it to happen now. What do you mean? I can absolutely say that. I can 100% say that. <laughs> okay. Um <laughs> Now that that one's over, um for my last wish, going back to uh, AEW and, and some of the ramifications from Full Gear, um, obviously Cody didn't win. Uh, he, on last Dynamite, um, he did put that stipulation on himself where if he did not win the match with Chris Jericho, he would never challenge for the title again, right? Um, now, you did mention this is professional wrestling. You can just add a stipulation. And, and I completely agree with that. Yes, I did say that. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that for sure. Um, so that being said, one of my favorite members of the inner circle is Jake Hager. I like Jake Hager a lot. Yeah, Jake Hager, who has not had a match in AEW yet. He has not. Uh, but I remember him as Jack Swagger. Um yeah. And I liked Jack Swagger. I was I was a big fan of Jack Swagger back when he was in WWE, and that's why him coming to AEW was you know it, it was just uh, I don't know it took me back you know to to being a child watching Jack Swagger uh, it made me really happy. Okay, that's backstory. Um, if wishes were fishes, Cody is able to challenge for the AEW World Title again by defeating Jake Hager. That would be an interesting twist in the story. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he would have to have some uh, a lot of things to overcome. I mean, he's obviously got MJF on his plate right now, and Jack, yeah. Jake Hagar would be definitely uh, another huge mountain in the way. Right. But I think it would it would be uh, definitely making a lot of sense as far as the journey is concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, I really do like that, and I think you could make Jake Hagar if uh, Jake Hager rather. If if booked correctly, and I, there's no reason to think that AEW would book him incorrectly, right? Um, I, I think they can definitely make him look like a like a huge monster. Uh, so, um, with that being said, I do like that wish a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would like to actually give you, uh, uh, actually a four Napoleon race fish. Oh, uh, you know because of that's a headlock talk first. Yeah, because of it's Napoleonic. Uh, uh, way of demonstrating power. Beautiful. Uh, with Jake Hager. Very nice. I like it. I think that made sense. Yeah. No, it did. <laughs> it did. Uh, at least I think so. Special bonus wish. Um, yeah. They, they they didn't allude to this at all. 
Um, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, MJF joins Inner Circle. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. Honestly, um, that, like I said, they didn't really like allude to that. You know, MJF turns on Cody, gives him the low blow, gets a a bunch of glorious heat, gets a drink thrown at him, and he just kind of walks out. I do think it would be cool if uh, Jericho or Hager or um, or proud and powerful came out and, and, you know, kind of shook his hand or, or something like that. Gave him an inner circle shirt, uh, by chance. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think that would be really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, not to say they can't still do that. Right. You know, uh, I, I personally think that it will go that route, but yeah, just special bonus wish. You don't need to give me fish for that. I just, I think that, I think that'll happen. I think that, yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think that's somewhat logical yeah um that or mjf is just the the lone wolf who does his own thing i mean that, that could um, happen too you know uh just real quick here some shout outs for you guys here we we did post it uh here we did get a couple of responses here uh, uh from the headlock talk twitter handle uh we're uh we asked you guys to leave in the comments what you thought about the aew um full gear show uh, Nicholas uh, Blecker uh, at uh, Skull12345.1 uh, says, It was fine, but probably the weakest pay-per-view as of right now in AEW for me, as it did not care, or as I, I did not care for uh, a majority of the matches that happened in it. Interesting. Okay. Fair point there, Nicholas. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, Mike Charlip says... Uh, on Twitter, Mike wouldn't Charlip. be an episode of Headlock Talk without Mike Charlip. <laughs> yeah, no, no shout outs uh, could be possible without Mike. Yes, uh, Mike is again at Mike JC eight two one on Twitter. Uh, he's got an amazing wrestling blog where he actually wrote up a preview on AEW Full Gear. So definitely check that out for sure. Um, uh, Mike basically uh, says here, I loved the show. I didn't like a lot of the the camera work, the ref work, or the fact that they pulled the trigger early on the MJF turn on Cody. Everything else was great. Completely agree. Yeah. We actually, we were talking about that too, uh, especially in, um, for whatever reason, especially in the pre-show match with uh, B. Priestley and Britt Baker, they kept going to the, the fisheye uh, camera yes. uh, on the ring post. And, I'm not a hundred percent against fisheye lens personally, if it's placed correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, my problem with that camera angle is that what they're trying to show is only in frame for about half a second, right? And, and then they go out of frame really quickly, and it seems like they linger in that camera angle a little bit too long. So, I mean, it's not the fisheye in particular, but it's definitely the placement of the fisheye. Like, if they had the fisheye lens, um, like, either directly above the ring or, um, like, just in front and on top of the ring. Hmm. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, I think so. Like, looking down onto the ring. Uh, I think it could work a lot better that way. Um, you could show some of the... You know, it, it it would provide a cool camera angle for like suicide dives or or like running spots and things like that. Um, but yes, Mike, I completely agree with you. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, someone did reply to Mike. Mm. Uh, it wasn't us, but rather MJF's scarf at MJF's scarf on Twitter. Okay. M- MJF scarf rather on Twitter. Uh, MJF's scarf says needed to be done. Hashtag Cody sucks. Uh, God. So. so uh, I guess we know how MJF's scarf feels. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, Stephen, do you have anything else for us this week? 
Not much, man. Not much. Uh, I, I did in, enjoy Dynamite this week. Uh, I didn't get to catch any NXT, but I probably will go back and watch some of that. Yeah, it was um, great. Great match between um, uh, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, uh, Tommaso Ciampa taking on the OC. Yeah, uh, that which, sounds killer. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I mean, if it weren't for AEW this week, I would say that would have been probably maybe one of the, the matches. Uh, that would definitely be a solid nominee for match of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I think uh, match of the week goes to uh, Moxley and Omega. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- absolutely for me. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, just another thing, if, if you guys have made it to the end of this podcast, even with us giving away the results uh, for Full Gear, if you haven't seen it yet, it is 100% worth the $50, uh, I, yeah. I think. Um, uh, just forget we ever said anything. It's okay. Yeah, yeah just forget we, we ever said anything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> go in with a clean slate. Um, I mean, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. Well, and like we said at the top of the show, definitely follow us again on Twitter at Headlock Talk. We are at Headlock Talk on Twitter. We'd love to talk to you. You know, uh, anything, everything, whatever's on your mind, we're here to help out. Okay? Uh, So definitely hit us up there. Uh, Don't forget, of course, vote for us again uh, uh, for best podcast or not. Well, I don't think we're nominated for that. No. Uh, best newcomers <laughs> rather and best duo uh, at the uh, hashtag wrestling uh, podcast awards. Uh, you can visit uh, uh, the rant pod at the RVE. Uh, I'm sorry. The RVNT uh, pod on Twitter. Yeah, I believe the uh, the Google Drive uh, post for mm-hmm. for all of this is a pinned tweet uh, yes. on their account, so uh, you can access it there. You can also find it on our page. It's somewhere buried underneath a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, uh, but uh, I'll try and get a link for you guys on our page too, so that way you can definitely give us a vote. Yeah, and we'll probably drop uh, that link in the uh, show notes as well. So of course, and uh, as always. Uh, your listenership and uh, your vote is greatly appreciated by us. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, as, as we stated up at the top of the show, uh, if you want to help give back to Headlock Talk in any way, shape, or form, definitely leave us a, a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever that's uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, Google Play, wherever. We're uh, everywhere. We're, 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 we're in a lot of places. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I still think it's really cool that you can just Google Headlock Talk. Yeah, and, and we're right there. We're Googleable. Know. We're Googleable. That's a fun word. It is. Yeah, very, very nicely done, Stephen. Yeah. Also for uh, business inquiries, yes. uh, if you guys like the sound of our voice, uh, want us to, you know, sponsor um, maybe me undies yeah. or uh, Casper mattresses. Yes. Um, uh, all, all kinds of things. We're, we're, um, we're big fans of your products. Yeah, we are. I, I, I own some meat undies. I also use Audible. Yes. So, yes. Uh, if you Audible's great, man, because yeah. they give you that that uh, free credit a month. Yeah, uh, you get you get a free book a month. You get to, you get to try out different uh, different audiobooks. And it, yeah. see, the thing about it is, it's a credit too. Yeah. So like, you can buy like a thirty dollar book. You right. Know, you know, with, with the credit, it's nice. See, well, Audible, we're already we're already promoting you. Right. Just pay us. Well, why why <laughs> should I sit down and read Moby Dick Moby Dick rather for the the Dobie third Mick. Dobie Mick. Dobie uh, <laughs> Mick. Why should I sit down and read it for the third or fourth time when I could just 
put in my Apple AirPods. Exactly. Apple. Yeah. And, uh, you know, check that out uh, through yeah, Audible. Uh, Apple, Audible, MeUndies, <laughs> Casper, uh, if any of y'all are listening uh, and you want want us to sponsor some of your content, just hit us up at headlocktalk at gmail.com for business inquiries, and we'd love to. Of course. Um, my voice will be back to its smooth... <laughs> Uh, velvety smoothness mm. uh, next week. I mean, hopefully, who knows? Maybe I'll be fucked up then too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. E- and even if you're not one of those companies, we'd still love to hear. From yes, you. yes, of course. Yes. Um, beyond that, though, Stephen, um, I don't think we have anything else this week. I think that's it. Alrighty. I man. hope you guys enjoyed listening. Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Again, we appreciate all the love and support. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Uh, I'm, of course, the Texas Gentleman, and as always across from me, the one and the only, Mr. Stephen Grudy, and we wish you guys a wonderful rest of your day. Yes, yes. Thank you, guys. Lady y'all. This song's about a dusty road to pick up and some dreams But everything about this tune ain't nothing what it seems My voice is highly processed, the auto-tune is a show Yeah, my country twang is a load of bull, I was raised in Buffalo These beats come from a drum machine, the horns are synthesized The songwriters from Hollywood, the lyrics plagiarize Don't know much about the farm life, never lived in the country to pick a six string cause my rap career was in These days, we're all getting more screen time, which means we're also getting more blue light exposure than ever before. Too much blue light can make your eyes feel tired, dry, or blurry. It can also affect your sleep. Zenni's Blocks lenses help to protect the eyes by keeping harmful blue light out. Because they're virtually clear, add blocks to any Zenni frame for stylish, all-day protection. Get a complete pair of prescription or non-prescription Blocks glasses starting at just $24. Protect your eyes now at zenni.com.